Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back. Fight fans to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, joined by Johnston, as always, to cover the weekend's action that's just gone. And Vasily Lomachenko comes out on top in his return to the ring against Jermaine Ortiz in a close, competitive fight for Lomachenko. And he had some uh, hairy little moments in there at times. And it was really good to see him back in the ring. But what has come off the back of him getting this victory is the fact that now he wants to challenge Devin Haney. He wants to crack at that undisputed lightweight crown. Remembering that he never officially held an undisputed lightweight crown. He had three of the four major titles, didn't he? So this is going to be a really interesting conversation about where that potential fight goes and and how much bigger Haney looks than uh, Lomachenko. But just coming to you then, Johnson, just focusing on the fight at hand, Lomachenko's return against Ortiz. I thought it was quite a competitive fight. I think there was one scorecard that I didn't totally agree with. It was the right decision overall, but I thought it was a little bit more competitive than maybe what one of the judges scored in particular. Yeah, I think someone had it. Was it 117, 111 or something yep. like that? Um, yeah, too wide. Um, look, it was much more competitive than that. And you've got to give Ortiz a bit of respect. A lot of us felt that Lamanchenko would do the business and get the win. I felt it'd stop him. I thought it'd stop him quite late. I felt like uh, the puzzles he had set eventually would uh, you would have Ortiz. I don't believe he ever fought 12 rounds. I thought like sort of coming into that last stretch, I thought he was going to really start to struggle after missing a lot. But to his credit, he was struggling a bit. But um, what you did see is Lemonchenko not really put his foot down, which uh, was was a bit unimpressive. But you look, the fact of the matter is he's had a, a difficult time like Usyk. They've had, you know, any of these Ukrainian fighters have these challenging times outside the ring and now they've come in to sort of brush off the cobwebs if you like and I think 
you know, I, I know I've seen a lot with Haney sort of, uh, I think he was tweeting during the fight when he saying, uh, during, in between rounds, he, he, he's sort of licking it, licking his lips in, in, tass, in anticipation to fight Lomachenko and defend his titles now rather than move up. I think that's a bit of a... Uh, the one thing I will say is that Lomachenko won a fight. It wasn't the best of performances, but you've got to remember the levels that he set. He sets very high standards and we always expect him to produce those goods. Considering everything that's gone on, and he's been out of the ring for a while, I think um, he did enough. I think he, uh, he he impressed in in terms of the fact that he 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 done what he needed to do. Uh, he went through the motions a little bit, but he he got the job done at the end of the day. And I think the one thing I will say is it's helped him get the Haney fight. If he was superb and did stop him, I think maybe Haney wouldn't be so eager to take the fight. So I do wonder. I'm not saying fighters like sort of say Usyk um, or Lemonchenko have the ability. Like they're fantastic fighters, but they have the ability to just coast through fights with the intention of trying to get the bigger names and draw the bigger names out. But there is a bit of that for me. I think Lomachenko probably thought, if I just do enough to win this fight, then Haney will come calling it and I can really produce the magic that I, I feel like I've still got. I think people think maybe there's a little bit of an element of underperformance and, and whether that is intentional or not remains to be yeah. seen, of course. I mean, I get what you're saying and people might say, oh, that's ridiculous. How, how can somebody purposely underperform? I suppose if you know your skill level and ability and what's in front of you and you know you could get through this fight by doing certain things within the ring using your skills and attributes, then maybe there is a little bit of element of truth to, to that and what I you're saying. I think I think, sorry, yeah, I think he just, I think he assessed the situation and thought, well, I, I can, I can win this fight. I don't really need to push myself too much. I'm not saying he generally intended to do it, but sometimes you just don't need to be performing as hardly as hard. I don't know. Look, that's just my assumption. When I watched it, I thought there were times in there where he could have really put his foot down and he didn't do that. I felt the same. I felt there were times where he could have... He had a couple of rounds off. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. There was did, a couple yeah. of rounds where I felt like he, he had it off. Like when he when the fight first started, I thought Ortiz came out really strong, tried to put the pressure on, lots of combinations, lots of punches thrown, trying to back Lomachenko up. Lomachenko then starts to come into the fight and in the mid-rounds, for me, he starts to take over a little bit. And then going into the back stretch, you could see there was a couple of rounds where essentially not just Lomachenko, but Ortiz looked like he was taking a round off or two as well. And I think that's probably what hurt him, uh, whether that was a stamina issue, whether that was a case of he just couldn't do what he wanted to do in the ring against Lomachenko. But I thought he put up a really valiant effort and I thought it was a really competitive fight. Or like you're saying, could it have been made a competitive fight because of the fact Lomachenko did what he needed to do to get through the fight? But it does bring a good point up, to be honest with you. Like, you think to yourself, if Lomachenko would have gone in there and absolutely obliterated him, and I'm not saying knock him out, I mean just absolutely schooled him from round to round, from, from 1 to 12, would Haney have gone in the ring and gone, do you know what, I really, really want this fight? <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't have done, or maybe he still would have done, maybe he would have wanted to challenge himself against the absolute best. You know, we can't say for sure because, you know, we're not Devin Haney, but it gives you sort of these thoughts, doesn't it, as to... Uh, would he have gone in there so hastily to want that fight with Lomachenko should Lomachenko have absolutely put on a masterclass against him? It makes you wonder. Just to, sorry to interrupt. Just take the uh, Usyk-Derek Chisora fight by comparison. You know, people look at that fight and if you're going to judge Usyk on that fight, people say, well, what's, you know, how many times did he get hit? But in actual fact, what it did do is make guys like Anthony Joshua look at it and think, oh, I could beat this guy. If, he, like, if I land them shots... Trust me, I'm knocking him out. But you don't. 
you know, this is this. It's like Bivol with Spider Richards, same type of thing. I'm not saying these guys genuinely are, but they are very, very, very clever. These just Ukrainian and the Russian. When you talk about Bivol, you talk about Usyk, and you talk about Lomachenko, they are that clever, and they're that they're that good. They could potentially. They know they've gotten beaten from the very first few minutes of the fight. It's just a matter of using certain fighters and attributes that they deliver, they can bring to the table to prepare them for the bigger fights. And boy, most of the time, when these guys do step in the ring for the big fights, they deliver, don't they? They certainly do. All credit goes to Ortiz. He put on a valiant performance. And to me, I think he would have some really good fights in this lightweight division. I'd like to see him fight Cambosis. I think that would be a, an interesting fight against Cambosis. I think Cambosis' all-action style against the style of Ortiz would, would make for a really good fight. So that's something for the future that I would like to see. Both of them are going to want to try and get back up to the, the echelons of the lightweight division and challenge for a title because eventually Devin Haney's going to move up there's no doubt about it he wants the Lomachenko fight if that Lomachenko fight doesn't come through the likelihood is he's just going to vacate and move up simple as that and he'll probably be made mandatory for one of the versions of the titles that he holds because of the fact that he was undisputed champion in the previous division there is a ruling I think the WBA in particular do it quite a lot where they say if a champion vacates from a previous division they move up they automatically sort of go to the top of the pile which is a bit unfair but you can understand why they get put to the top of the pile because of what they've done previously with their organization or their sanctioning body so bit of swings and roundabouts here and there but what i'm trying to get at is if lomachenko takes the haney fight haney takes the lomachenko fight and they get it on ultimately for me it'd be the last challenge in this division for Devin Haney before he does move up to the super lightweight category where you're going to have the likes of Javonta Davis you're going to have the likes of Ryan Garcia that are all essentially moving to that weight and looking for, for for these big fights so the question remains now is how does Devin Haney get on against Lomachenko he's the guy that's the undisputed champion Lomachenko's the you know, arguably the aging veteran of this particular fight, whereas you've got the youth versus the experience. It's a really intriguing fight because based on what I've seen from Devin Haney and his step-ups as of late, I'd actually fancy him to potentially win that fight with the, the size advantage as well. Yeah, and he's, he's difficult to hit, isn't he? Look, I mean, Lomachenko, there's his moments, don't get me wrong, he's, he's immaculate when he's on fire. When he's on form, he's just stunning to watch. But, I mean, he's boring to watch. I think, I think that's, the, I, you know, I'm I'm taking this as, as a as a sort of a casual fan. If, if if you was a casual fan, you wouldn't point him in the direction or point a casual fan to the direction of Devin Haney because uh, he, he doesn't excite as much. But what he does do, he, he, he judges his distances well. He very rarely gets hit. And he's a bit of a spoiler at times. People have called him a hugger Haney, I believe. I've heard a few people call him. I, I would say that's a bit harsh. He's not a hugger. He's better than that. He's much better than that. And he's he's a big guy for the weight. So he's imposing, whereas Lemonchenko's probably fighting at a weight he shouldn't be. Let's be honest, he's super featherweight at best. But yet he's still competing with the top lightweights because of his skill, because of the ability he has. I just feel that, I feel I feel Haney has is absolutely the favourite. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. But I think what people have to think about sometimes, and especially I mean any sport this comes up, you know any sport. If a team has a great performance or if a fighter has a great performance, the first thing everyone remembers is their last performance. And you as good as your last performance, you've got to look at the bigger picture sometimes. So people will look at Lemonchenko fight and go, "Oh, he didn't look great there." And then you look at Haney and, and he's, he's beat Cambosis twice comfortably, who 
people believe is a, a genuine contender in this division. Not for me. I, you know, when you look at the top level fighters, he, he's clearly below those guys. But um, uh, is he elite? I mean, he's, he's the undisputed champion, but he's only beaten Cambosis Jr. He hasn't beaten anyone else. I think he poses problems for anybody. Garcia, Davis, Lamachenko. But I think the danger for him is that he takes his eye off the ball a bit here. And you get Lamachenko. Yes, this could be his last ever fight. Who knows? I mean, this this is his, this could be everything for Lamachenko. And that's a danger. We've seen it before in history of the sport where these guys have just one more, one more great performance in them. And, and if he does take his... If he ain't prepared for this show, and I, you know, I would say Lamachenko could do it. I don't think he will. I think Haney just will have enough because he's younger and he's bigger. And I just think that that's enough to get him through because he's an excellent, excellent fighter. I wouldn't say he's quite elite yet. He would always undisputed champion. We will have him really high up and say he's an elite fighter. He isn't. He needs to, to be elite. You need to be beating the top top guys. He's only beating Cambosis Jr., let's be honest. So if he goes and beats Lemonchenko, then wow, I'll give him all of his credit. He'd get his credit for that, though, wouldn't he? Beating Lomachenko. Absolutely. Then, then you could literally say, well, yeah, regardless of where you look at Lomachenko in his career now, he's an elite-level fighter, and he's proven it over his professional yeah. career. So Devin Haney automatically goes in that, that category of being an elite-level fighter, and he moves up then in weight, and then he looks at the Davises and the Garcias of the world, and, you know... Essentially, whilst they've not done a huge amount in the sport, as per what Lomachenko has done, they are at a stage of their careers where people consider them to be the best fighters around. So if he is beating the best fighters around, then yeah, absolutely, he deserves that mantelpiece of being an elite-level fighter. But it all remains to be seen. Hopefully, he won't take his eye off the ball. Hopefully, the weight isn't too much of an issue. There's arguments about his weight in the lightweight division, Haynes, and you know whether he struggles to make the weight. It didn't seem that way when he fought Cambo a couple of weeks ago but you just never know really what's going on there behind the scenes so could that play a factor in the fight we just don't know but it's an exciting fight and it's one that I think both of these guys need Lomachenko is such a gentleman that he happily admits that Devin Hayne is the A-side. He doesn't sit there and go, I'm the A-side because I've done this, this and this. He understands what the business is all about. He understands Devin Haney is the the guy. He's got the titles and he's at the top and he's the A-side because he's a much younger man. He's, he's, you know, he's at the top of his game. He's going to be in this game for a long time. Now, Lomachenko's coming towards the end of his career, a year or two left maybe in this sport. So, yeah, he understands that. So, really, it's it's a difficult fight because... Lomachenko's got absolutely nothing to lose in this fight. Absolutely nothing at all. Devin Hayner has got everything to lose. So it's, it's an interesting exactly. fight. I'm, I'm excited it for it. I'm excited for this And one. that's dangerous, isn't it? Imagine that fight on Lomachenko with nothing to lose. I don't know. That's a bit daunting to me. Uh, so I, I, for people to write him off, I think the fact is, is I think just, just look at a bigger picture. Don't look at someone's last fight. Look at a bigger picture. Look at what they have produced in their... You know, and the fact that you you even say it yourself, Sean, and I agree, Ortiz on his night, on even that performance, beat some lightweights, it, some top level lightweights, some contender lightweights. You know what I mean? So, the fact that he's made it look it's tight, yeah, it was a bit tight. Some people even said it was a robbery, never a robbery. Lamanchego won the fight, but it just did enough. And I think sometimes maybe just held held back a little bit to keep the reserves in uh, for for the big fight, the big fight that. And, and I think that that is dangerous. So anyone that thinks that this is it and this is the end of Lemonchenko, I don't think it is. I think he gives Haney problems. 
Well, it all remains to be seen. A lot of questions to be answered, and we'll look forward to that when it happens. So, just rounding up the rest of that particular card, Robsy Ramirez got a TKO over Jose Matias Romero. Duke Reagan, Troy Isley picked up victories. Richard Torres Jr., exciting American heavyweight, went to 4-0 on that particular card. And also, Nico Ali Walsh, grandson of Muhammad Ali, carried on his unbeaten run, moved to 7-0 with a unanimous decision over Billy Wagner on that card. So that was that card. What about the UK-based card that was on the zone? There's definitely some talking points from this particular one anyway. The first one being Kiko Martinez, the guy that I admittedly write off quite a lot. And every time I write this guy off, he comes back and absolutely pisses all over my chips big time because he absolutely bulldozed his way through Jordan Gill. Now, admittedly, Jordan Gill to me has always been at a certain level and I think European title was his level. I've never envisaged him being a world-level fighter and every time he has kind of stepped up a little bit, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's had problems and he's lost, essentially. He had his life and death fight with Kareem Greffe in his last outing to, to win that title. And then he goes in against Martinez, who has previously been stopped in his last outing against Josh Warrington, but then upset Kid Galahad before that. So it's uh, it's weird, isn't it, with Kiko? Like, he, he's 36 years of age. It feels like he's been around a lifetime, but yet he's still causing these upsets. People thought that he beat Zelfa Barrett as well a couple of years ago. So there's arguments there for Kiko Martinez being just an absolute bogeyman for many, many fighters, especially UK-based fighters anyway. He seems to be a bit of a bogeyman for a few of our guys. Apart from Josh Warrington, of course, who's, uh, who's beat him twice. But the fact that he went in there and bulldozed his way through Jordan Gill was really impressive. And it makes you, again, think about, like, Kiko Martinez 10 years ago, like, at 26 years old, it was an absolute monster. And, like, the guys he's still beating now are in, essentially, their primes. And you think Kiko Martinez, he's coming towards the end of his career, arguably. How many fights has he got left in him? And every time... I always go against him and I don't know why. And I just feel like because he's at a stage of his career where I think he's definitely coming towards the end now. And, and then obviously Warrington beats him and stops him in, in quite a fashion in his last fight. I think, yeah, that's definitely it now for me. And then I thought Jordan would have the skills and abilities to actually keep him at bay, keep him at range and be able to beat him. And, and he did land some good shots, Jordan, in that fight. But it was each time he got a shot from Kiko Martinez that seemed to be the telling factor and that cliche saying of 
the power is a last thing to go in a fighter. And Kiko Martinez, he's still got that power. And to me, he absolutely busted and bulldozed his way to that European title win. He did, and, and, and Jordan looked a bit battered as well after, didn't he? I mean, not only was he, did he look battered and bruised, I think he was, his reputation and his his self-esteem was as well. I think he literally took that, ripped it, ripped his art out as well and stamped on it. Um, that's what he does, Kiko. He's a he's an absolute animal. And, and as you say, we do generally write him off. Um, when, it, when it comes to, I suppose, you know, you know, if you think through the years with the Frampton fight, Santa Cruz fights, you know, when he was right, right at the top of the game of fought, competing with those guys, even Scott Quigg, and, you know, he, he, he looked, um, I mean, even Kiko Martinez, when he fought um, Warren in the first time, he, you know, people felt that he, he probably deserved that. The Barrett fight as well, definitely a lot of people feel that way. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that we do write him off, but it's because of his age. And, and it, you look at Jordan Gill and you felt he had the style to possibly box his way to victory. I thought he might have learned something from his last fight where he did literally go to hell and back with that guy, looking like a good free with his name. Is he almost look, he's going to get knocked out and then he comes back and it's stunning, stunning. I mean, it is, if, if you want to see uh, two halves of a fight where it just anything could happen, that's the fight to go and look at because he looked like he was out and finished and then he comes back and wins. Um, so I just felt that it, 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 uh, it He'd learnt from that mistake, and I felt that he would keep away from Kiko. But um, he doesn't have the skills, does he? I think I think that's generally what we've seen here now. I, I, you know, Sandy's European level is probably as far as he gets, and and I still feel that even then he, he he's very he's not even the best in Europe. Um, it, you know, it's it, it's it's tough, isn't it? Because every fighter wants to go out and win a world title. Um, and as you say, Sheldon, well, I think we've both said it that Gil has definitely not been the type of guy we we would think would win a world title and I think it's just proved it again uh Kiko is just the benchmark isn't he if you can get past Kiko then your chances are you're in contention for a world title I mean he's called that Lee Wood um people actually saying Lara it's a great fight Kiko Martinez and Lara it's going to last about four three rounds but what a fight it's going to be um you know you've got to edge to Lara because he just general generally stronger, bigger, I think he just does get rid of Kiko in the end, but it would be a great great watch, and the fact that before this fight, I mean, Martinez is fighting Gil, and I'm thinking I'm giving Gil the edge, I'm making Gil giving every advantage to him, and now, all you know, and, and the fault of Kiko Martinez against Lara is ridiculous, even think about that for him to now knock out Gil, now all of a sudden he's going to fight Lara, I mean, absolute just great, it's just fantastic seeing an old boy like that doing that, um, and just enough credit to him i mean he's he's just a genuinely nice guy i, I feel when he, he does his business in the ring and and he's almost adopted the british fan sean isn't he i mean this spanish guy's come over here he's he's lost to a few of our guys he's beaten a few of them and every time he leaves we we, we tend to like him that little bit more and that's great I've always liked him. I've just always questioned him at certain points of his he's career. Where he, not yeah. not so much his ability. I think well, I think he is limited. I think he is limited. He, he's good at what he does, but when he comes up against a really slick, smooth operator, he really does struggle. And uh, Jordan Gill essentially was supposed to be that guy, but I suppose yeah. in this fight, what I felt like he was doing too much of was trying to exchange too much with him at times, and I think that's what caused him to get into the deep waters too quickly. And when he got hurt in that third, fourth round. It was the beginning and the end for me. His face was all busted up at that point as well, and it just it looked a mess. And 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 before the referee even stopped it, Dave Caldwell is on the corner on the apron saying, "Look, 
cut off the fight now, that's it, it's done. And, and he did the yeah. right thing, because if the referee wouldn't have stopped it, then obviously Caldwell was stopping it anyway. So it was a good stoppage. And Kiko Martinez now, like you say the Lara fight is, is a good fight for him next. You know what I'm kind of thinking, my thought process here is like, we've got a fight preview coming up following this reaction show. And Selfa Barrett is fighting for the vacant IBF Super Featherweight title. If he yeah. wins that in Dubois, then there's a good chance that that rematch could happen with Kiko Martinez because of the fact that obviously there was a close contentious fight between them first. Then there's the IBF super featherweight title on the line. There's a good chance here that we might end up seeing a rematch somewhere down the line. If it's going to happen, it'll happen if Zelfa Barrett wins this title. And obviously we've got to go into that on our next show to, to talk about how does he do it? Does he win it? If he does win that title, there's a good chance that that might happen. But a Lara Kiko Martinez fight is certainly one for the ages. It's certainly one that is very fan-friendly and it'll certainly get people talking about it because it surely wouldn't last very long. But hats off to him. Hats off to him. He's become European champion. He's, he's still going. He's still got that fight left in the old dog just yet and it's great to see when these things do happen in the sport even though i've wrote him off admitted that even though i have wrote him off a couple of times and in some ways i am happy to see a good guy get his just desserts and that was certainly it with him on that card so big talking point from that card was obviously that particular fight for me gary cully getting that first round tko over jahud bell made uh, just literally comes in with a counter left as Bell Moody's coming into the corner, puts him down, and then that's it, he's done. It's all over. And then some people will say, did he throw the fight, Bell Moody? Did he even turn up to that fight? I think he just got caught cold. It was as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That was exactly that. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of his, uh, kind of his fights um, before um, this one, just to see what he was about. And, and I would say that he was going to be the guy that was... Uh, trying to be a bit of the slicks that but he would he come forward he does come forward and he, he does roll a little bit and he looked to, he looked okay uh, but he gets hit and I knew that Cully would eventually with his power would, would get rid of him I was just quite surprised they ended in the first round uh, so credit to Cully and uh wow yeah um he moves on Cully I mean he's, he's 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 definitely got some heavy hands on him and he's proven himself time and time again especially the last three fights he's looked really good so let's talk about Katie Taylor's victory over Karen Carbajal then. Obviously, it was a little bit of a homecoming, not the ideal homecoming at Croke Park in Belfast, of course. It's not the, the complete homecoming, but for us, English fans, UK fight fans, it's good to see her back here in, in a sort of a homecoming, defending her titles and doing it in a, in a pretty good fashion and getting that victory on points against Karen Carbajal, who was a game opponent. I didn't know nothing about her. Going into this fight, Lukey was saying it was a homecoming for Katie Taylor, and I think he was totally spot on with his assessment of how this, this was going to go down. But credit to Carbajal, who came and, and tried to give it as much as she could. She was just out-hustled and out-skilled by Taylor, who now moves on and looks forward to her next fight. So the biggest fight that people are talking about is the rematch with Amanda Serrano. I've actually heard Clarissa Shields this week talking about she would be willing to move down to welterweight if Katie Taylor would move up and have a sort of big clash between them two, which I think is definitely something that still could happen before it's all said and done for Katie Taylor's career. But this homecoming in Belfast, I think, is the biggest thing at the moment that needs to happen for Katie Taylor because she's 36 years of age. While she doesn't even think about retirement, and I've said it many times, she's not considering retirement, 
you know, naturally you expect that she's got about a year or two left in the sport, maybe one to three big fights left in her before, surely it'll be all said and done. She's already created and cemented a huge legacy in this sport because of what she's done. What's left for her to do at this moment in time? I mean, for me, it would be moving up again, trying to look at fighting maybe Chantal Cameron again. If Chantal Cameron wins this coming weekend and becomes undisputed super lightweight champion, then that would be a huge fight in the UK. Huge, huge fight. Undisputed champion in the super lightweight division. Katie Taylor to move up and try and become a two-way undisputed champion. That's got a lot of appeal to it. The Amanda Serrano rematch has got a lot of appeal to it. There's there's quite a few really good options there for Katie Taylor. She's definitely not shy of having any big fights coming her way. For me, this was the homecoming. This was a bit of a layup for her, which I think was deserved. But now it's time to get back down to the big fights and, and solidify her legacy even more greater than it already is. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, she does deserve these fights sometimes. You know, she's she's been in pretty tough and she's she's uh, she's deserving of it in terms of what she's done for female boxing as well, Katie. And it, as you say, I didn't know nothing about this this uh, this lady she fought. And and to be fair to her, she um, she stayed in there. A lot of people felt that this was the one for Katie to to actually get a, a knockout, a stoppage for the first time in a very long time. But I think with Katie as well, I think she just she does enough, doesn't she? I mean, I mean, talking about Lemonchenko, sometimes you know when you get these high level guys and and females where you just drop your level a little bit. You know, after a few few minutes, a couple of rounds in, you're like. I've got this one. It's just about now going the distance. Uh, some people like to see the stoppage. I do personally, but sometimes for a fighter, it's a risky thing to do because, you know, you could get caught, but I think sometimes, you know, after a while, you know, the chances are, even if I do get caught, I'm not going to get knocked out here. You know, I- I'm going to win this fight. Um, and I think that she just goes for the emotions a little bit, but to her credit, she's come out at the back of a tough fight. So um, I'm the next step, Sean, I'm with you. I mean, Serrano is a, possible uh opponent um where would that be would 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 she want serrano in ireland in croke park um that's a banana skin in it really i mean and will we still get the same fireworks as we did in the first fight? I mean, we'll never know unless they have a rematch so i mean I've, I'm, I'm not dead against it i would i would see it again i'm not sure we would ever get the same sparks we had in the first one but you never know it might might do um, and then I suppose the one I would say, like you've already mentioned, the Cameron McCaskill fight that's happening next week, which we'll discuss. I think if Cameron wins that, I think um, she's definitely interested. I mean, even she's beat McCaskill, but, you know, up and another weight. And McCaskill's a tricky girl, isn't she? She, whether she, She's a bit of a party spoiler herself. So I don't know if you would want her at Croke Park. So, I mean, even May, I just found another name. She was looking at Katie Taylor at some point. So maybe she could she could take that fight with Maya. Um, so they're three names, I'd say. If I'm going to say any, I mean, if Cameron can come through, Cameron at, at uh, Croke Park would be a fantastic fight for Katie Taylor and British female British boxing. So three great names there mentioned by yourself and obviously myself in terms of what Katie Taylor does next. There's definitely a good ending to her career there's definitely some big big fights there and i'm really excited to see how her career does play out and and will she stay undefeated i mean what would that be in terms of a feat it'd be some feat and it'd be a really really good feat considering sort of where her career has has come and gone to so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how it how it finishes up her career Uh, so in terms of other fights on that card then mary romero ellie scottney ellie scottney beats romero via unanimous decision to pick up the ebu european super bantamweight title which i thought was a really really good win for her and actually 
I went against her when I was doing our prediction picks. I went against her because I thought maybe Romero might have a little bit too much for her because I have seen Romero before. She beat uh, another UK-based female fighter in Amy Timlin and it was a bit too soon for Timlin. But I thought, was it going to be too soon for Scotney? And it clearly wasn't. And she got a, a really good victory there. And, and one of my old friends, Mickey Ellison, and I say old friend, I'm still in contact with Mickey, not on a massively regular basis, but on enough basis that... I've done so much with him in the past and it's great to see him get on TV and it's great to see him defend his centrally uh, central area like heavyweight title against Thomas Whitaker Hart, who was touted to actually beat Ellison going into this fight. So it was really nice to, to see someone from the early days of the podcast and, and from my journey through boxing media actually get a really, really good victory on this card as well. And then we've seen Johnny Fisher get a TKO also. John Hedges got a points victory and we had the debut of Maisie Rose Courtney also on this card. Uh, not too bad of a weekend for boxing there in the UK, but there's one fight we haven't covered yet that I think we do need to cover, and that's Joseph Diaz and William Zapida. I think that was a fight... I wasn't too sure how it would go down. And again, when we do our prediction picks, Johnston, I actually went for Diaz on points and I thought Diaz might mm. actually have the experience over Sapida, who, although he was 26-0 going into the fight... <sighs> Uh, the only victory for me that really, really stood out was Rene Alvarado, his previous fight. I think that was the only one where I thought, yeah. you know, this guy is, is going places, but I'm not sure if it'll be a Joseph Diaz. But actually, for me, he, 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 in a way, he schooled Diaz. I mean, might be a bit of an overstretch maybe for me, but I felt like he, he, he did do a lot more in that ring than what I anticipated. And I thought Diaz would uh, would put on a better performance and he didn't. And, and Sapida got the victory. And now, obviously, he's the guy of the division who, who wants the big fights, who, who's looking for the big fights in this super lightweight division now. But what did you think of uh, that performance then from Sapida? Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm with you. I felt that Diaz might just have the skills and the ability to come through it, I, I knew I knew he was definitely not going to get knocked out. I just felt that um, with Diaz, he he has shown us previously that he has the ability to. I, I felt that he was the better boxer than Sabida, to be honest with you, and and I felt Sabida's there to get hit. Um, and sometimes he loads up, but he does load up and he throws a lot of punches, doesn't he? He doesn't stop throwing. To be fair to him, and I felt that that might help Diaz in terms of I felt he, he had. He had the ability to just switch up the angles, move out of trouble, throw a few and, and, and be out of trouble himself. I just felt that his he's, he's ring IQ was generally better but than, than Zapida. But um, to be fair to Zapida, you know, he don't let up. He's got a, a great engine. He throws a lot of punches and he throws them with intent. And Diaz, to his credit, again, I mean, the guy's... Whoever gets rid of Diaz is, is, has got some genuine power. Um, you just just don't get rid of him, and he seems to enjoy it. Um, didn't enjoy it against Zapida, to be fair, because I feel like uh, it was a real one side one sided victory. And as you say, I mean, it's it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it, with, with Zapida, because of the fact that 
Um, you know, is this, is, is he, I always think of him as a lightweight. So he sort of sits in that lightweight division as well, as well as he can move up to the super lightweight or the junior weightweight, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, look, the fact is, I mean, he, he I'm just thinking about where does he go next? I mean, I mean, Isaac Cruz is probably the best option. If you're looking at one of the bigger guys in, in sort of whatever division they're going to fight in, uh, you know, Haney, Lemonchenko, Davis Garcia, he ain't going to fight any of those guys, is he? Um, so I would suggest that maybe like uh, Isaac is probably, it's annoying because he's, he's beat Diaz and it's like, he's like that, that guy that's that in that bracket. And now he's done that. He's undefeated. It's almost like he's going to go down a level now again in his next match, rather than be able to fight for a world title because it's it's all it's just all over the place at the minute. But uh, look, end of the day, I, I enjoyed the fight. I thought Zapita done really well. Well, I'm with you. I thought Diaz just had the skills and the ability to be able to outbox him and just nick a split or or UD, and he didn't. And Zapita won it. And and credit to him. And he's a name. He's he's dangerous. I mean, he's he's in that position where no one's really going to fight. It's, it's very low reward in fighting Zapeda at the minute and, and very high risk. So two more topics of conversation before the end of this episode. The first one being, and I've left it till the last in terms of fights because, you know, I talked about it on the show with Lukey in the preview to it, but it's not a big factor for me. It was something I didn't essentially tune into on the night, which was Jake Paul getting a UD over eight rounds over Anderson okay. Silva. Uh, what do you say about this fight? I mean, I think like with, with Luke here, you know, all due respect to Luke, he seems to think Jay Paul's going to go on to become a world champion at some point in this sport. I'm not no, so sure on that, Luke. I'm not so sure. I think that's where we have a difference of opinion. Uh, I think Jake Paul is certainly lining up these fights nicely for himself, essentially to pad his record out before eventually when he does get a huge fight against somebody who is a willing and able competitor then I think that's when he will get sparked. And the day that yep. happens, there'll be a lot of people cheering when it comes down to what he does in the ring. I can't argue with what he tries to do outside of the ring in, in terms of getting fair pay for women, fair pay for UFC fighters. That was a bet that these two guys had put on. If he beats Anderson Silva, then they'll Anderson Silva will join him in helping trying to get fair pay for UFC fighters. I'm all for that element of what he does and what he uses his, his platform to do. The fact that he's trying to call out people like Canelo, and I don't know why he's calling out Nate Diaz. I know he's a great striker, Nate Diaz, in the UFC, but he's not hes not really a boxer, is he? You know what I mean? He's not a legit boxer. This is just padding your record out against guys that are, are literally only just sort of transitioning into the sport. I mean, 47-year-old Anderson Silva surprisingly beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but look at the downfall of Chavez Jr. in comparison to the, the where he was when Anderson Silva fought him. I mean, the guy was a former champion, but yeah, Anderson Silva's fought him when he's he's just dead and buried, really, in terms of his boxing career. And then there was one moment in the fight when he, he gets knocked down Anderson Silva, and I've watched the replay of this fight many times, and it doesn't even look like a clean punch connects, but yet Silva goes down in round eight. And that just sort of stokes the conspiracy theory of this being a completely rigged fight. Uh, I didn't watch it. I just seen the moments from the fight. So I'm not going to sit and say Jake Paul did this, this and this in the fight. I wasn't genuinely interested in that element of it. I just wanted to see intriguingly what he would do. And, and now I know the result. Now I know what he's saying in the aftermath of it. I'm just thinking, actually, Canelo, when are you going to come and beat his ass? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look... Um... It's, it's, it's tricky, you know. Credit, look, end of the day, 
it's put size on boxing. It's not the right eyes in terms of um, you know people get a bit carried away. Um, I think I think Lukey. I mean, he, he knows his boxing. Uh, he really does. I mean, he knows probably more than me and you, Sean. He's been in the business a bit bit longer than us, and he's uh, you know, we all know our own bits of it. But um, I think that's a bit far fetched to think that he will become a world champion. Saying that, um, depends what sort of world champion you're thinking. Are we talking about an international, intercontinental um, world champion? You know, <laughs> a special designed belt for someone uh, that you could actually considered to be a title an IBO title um look I, I think he's going to get to a certain point where eventually he's going to have to take he's going to have to bite the bullet he's going to have to take a risk and he's going to have to fight a genuine fighter um and to be honest I think he's going to end badly but he, he's shown improvements I suppose um not that I've seen too much of him from the the, the highlights I have seen he's shown he, he can whack a bit um, but let, let's be honest. I, I, I think he's he, he's very limited in terms of where he goes next. Uh, does he beat even Tommy Fury? I think he probably beats Tommy Fury. I mean, that's a crazy thing to say, but I do. I probably think he could get lucky and land one on him. Um, but look, I mean, that's it's almost like a different side to the sport. You know, it's almost like your rugby union, your rugby league, and you got the YouTube boxing and you got your professional boxing. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, a, you know. I'm not a huge rugby league fan, put it that way. I'm a, more of a rugby union man and I'm more of a boxing man than a YouTube fighting man. Yeah, that's a nice little way to put it. Uh, as simple as that, really. Me neither. Me neither. But it creates interest, doesn't it? It creates it does. conversations and talking points. And that's certainly why it gets brought up in this conversation. So to end the show, then, a big talking point, which has happened in the past couple of days, which has definitely created a lot of debate. So I don't watch this particular fella on YouTube, but that fella called Drew True Jordy, who has his own YouTube channel, does interviews with lots of different people, doing well with himself, doing well on, on YouTube, to be fair to him, you know, racking up, racking up the YouTube coin, as I like to call it. He does the interview with Tyson Fury earlier on uh, this week or over the weekend, and he does a relatively okay interview with him, but then he gets to a line of questioning with Tyson Fury where he talks about the value of the Derek Chisora fight. What he basically does is he says what everybody is thinking about this fight. And he asks questions that your general boxing media journalists, the guys that go into the presses week in, week out, the guys that want this level of access to fighters like Fury wouldn't dare question because they knew for a fact if they would have questioned this fight and said it was a shit fight, they would have had their access revoked. They wouldn't have been going to the presses. They wouldn't have been going ringside. They wouldn't be posting all the pictures on the Instagram going, look at me on a flight to, to here to go and watch this fight. That's what happens in boxing media if you if you play by the rules and lick ass. If you don't lick ass and you're not from the boxing media world and you do what True Geordie did, then this is what happens. Tyson Fury gets completely rattled by it. And at first, when I watched it, I wasn't sure if it was Tyson Fury just being Tyson Fury. But actually, you can tell he's pissed off. You can tell he's rattled Tyson Fury a little bit. Like, he's pissed him off because Tyson Fury is used to having a lot of yes people around him, like many big fighters at that level. Like Anthony Joshua is another one. They've got a lot of yes men around him who will only ask the certain questions that will make them as fighters look better and promote themselves. And essentially, I know that it's kind of what it's there to do, but a real journalist, a real journalist, would ask questions alongside the 
you know, the, the actual quality of certain fights or fighters or people that they're facing or moments in the sport or issues over drugs tests and just ask people outright. If they ask them questions outright, they completely get blackballed from it. And that's why nobody does it. As simple as nobody does it. Admittedly, in the past, I've tried to ask certain questions in a, in a certain way to try and get the answers I've wanted. Maybe not as, as direct as maybe what he was with Tyson Fury, but when we do the podcast, we say what we think. Especially you, Johnston. You are the you are the biggest one on this podcast. You will absolutely go to town and tear someone a new one if you feel there is absolutely a legit reason to do so. So what did you make after seeing that interview and parts of that interview? What did you think of the questioning? What does it make you think about the boxing media element and why they don't do it? And also, what did you make of Tyson Fury's response? Oh uh, look, you know, um, uh, true Geordie, I've I've seen a few of his, a bit of his stuff, and uh, do you know what? What I have seen, um, I've come across. I, I quite like his opinions on on the box on boxing. Sometimes, you know, he, he isn't shy to suggest that if a fight's being delivered to him and it's a lot, a lot of old pony, he he will openly say that's rubbish and I don't I don't like that. Um, we do that ourselves, you know. If we see Chisora Fury fight come out, one of our, our reaction shows was it's not good enough. It's not good enough for someone like Tyson Fury to say that I'm the greatest of all time and and, and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden um, fight Derek Chisora, a guy that's lost four of his last five fights or whatever it is. I think he's, you know, he's on a losing streak. Um, very rarely you see someone have that man losses on his record and get a world title shot. It's, it's incredible, really, for people to turn around and say, well, you know, uh, who else is there? There's there's guys with genuine better records than Derek Chisora's. Um, so I, I, I'm with him in that sense. Um, I think that asking the questions about what KSI and, and Conor Ben was a bit irrelevant. I don't quite see why he even asked Tyson Fury those questions. It's, you know, KSI especially. I mean, Conor Ben maybe because of the fact that he's been in around in, in, in um, but that's more of an ad hoc question. It's not something you start your interview with. Um, but look, generally, look, it, he said Derek Chisora isn't good enough. Um, and, uh, that is that's that's basically the truth. Um, Tyson didn't like that answer, um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discredit Tyson. Yes, he got rattled, but you know he is in fight camp. You know he's fighting next month now. Or was it the first of November? So he's fighting next month. He's, you know he's got a few. He's... A fighter has got to have to be a fighter you, that you've got to live your life on the line, and Tyson certainly does do that. And sometimes when you get in the ring, it's even preparing for fights, with the worst time. I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like in camp. It must be a just a nightmare. You need to be a certain person to be able to to keep someone's mentality and and everything. You know, all that pent up aggression. You just want to go and punch someone's face in at the end of the day, and to make that and to keep that calm. And then all of a sudden, you got this Geordie fella questioning you and, and, and as he even said himself he even said picking holes at my decisions um the trouble is is it just isn't good enough uh, I, and 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 people that are in interviews they won't ask these questions because they want them back they want to be able to if it's a lovely nice interview Tyson's more inclined to come back he didn't want to do that he thought well I'm going to question you and I'm going to put you on the spot and and he retaliated so I'm, I'm not look do you know what I'm not actually digging any of them out I think um it's nice to see. It's refreshing to see someone ask somebody some difficult questions sometimes. Um, but it is, it, you don't see many fighters that ha- sort of follow it up. Most people just go, do you know what? I'm terminating this interview. I don't even want to know. But Tyson's not that kind of guy. He's going to 
called him a dosser, he's going to call him a prick, he's going to send him to suck his bollocks or whatever else he come out with and then struggle to turn off the phone because he's so pissed off. That was really funny. I did like that bit. He's struggling to turn it in the call because he's just fuming. Um, I don't know. Look, do you know, I just think that it's nice to see, but sometimes, you know, it's a bit shitty because, you know, I, I don't know. I, for me, it's not really Tyson Fury should be asking the question. He's he, he picking out his mate for, an, for an, a payday. That's what it is. Say what it is. Say that. I mean, he, he almost did say that, but that's the truth of it, isn't it? Um, and don't... I think if anyone should be being pulled through the cold, it should be someone like Frank Warren. But Frank Warren wouldn't get himself into that position. He wouldn't take an interview with with the Geordie fellow. Like, you know, he just wouldn't. Because um, he, he knows the difficult questions are coming. I don't know where to take it, really. It was actually quite funny to watch. But um, I don't know. I, I like Tyson. I do like Tyson. I've got time for him. He's a world champion. He talks a lot of shit sometimes. Yes, he does. But he's generally, you know, he's backing up his stuff. When he fights top-level fighters, he comes out on top. And that's the genuine, how, how, it, how it works. If he wants to be considered a legend, he needs to fight them all. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know, Sean. I don't really know how to take it. I don't, what's your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it's a good interview, I suppose, but some of the questions were a bit stupid. Some of them were really good. Um, and it was just good, funny to see the ending. I thought the ending was brilliant. Well, I'll be honest with you. My whole thing around this interview was having been uh, on the front line. When I say the front line, I mean going to shows week in, week out. And I've been there and I've interviewed people and I've been in difficult positions with people and I've tried to ask questions and to gauge their reaction and to know what they're going to say. And sometimes when you ask a question, you think, how's that going to come across? Have I put myself in a, in a position here? And it is very difficult to try and interview people but want to get people to hear what they really want to know and that's the thing that's the whole point of of, for me I'm not a journalist I've never have been a journalist I never went to study journalism and there are guys that are in boxing media now that are legit university graduates that have done journalism that that's fair enough I just was able to interpret what was going on at the time or in the ring or outside of the ring and ask the what I would say were the relevant questions at the time and as time went on my ability grew for that so I felt more confident building relationships up with people that I could actually feel confident to ask them that information and even sometimes like you know if I was doing an interview with somebody where I knew there was a question I really wanted an answer to you know I'd ask them before I did the interview like Honestly, I, like, I really want to ask yeah. you this question. You know, are, are you willing to answer this question? I mean, if they say it's completely off limits, then I'll, obviously I'll have to respect that decision. You know, I, I, I'm not... It's a swings and roundabout situation because I want people to ask the relevant questions. If I'm watching an interview, I want to see the people challenged about certain topics that uh, are true to me as a fan to the sport. But I also understand that maybe there are certain things that... I know are completely blackballed as a result of, of asking questions. So it's a, it's, it's a difficult position to be in, really. When you're there trying to ask the questions and you want an answer for something like, you know, do you think Conor Ben's a drugs cheat? It's a very, very blatant question to ask and it's a very difficult one to answer because as the person answering the question, if you're a professional in this sport, if you say something that then becomes derogatory towards maybe the British Boxing Board of Control or somebody else, then you're putting yourself up on a pedestal as well. And potentially then you're putting yourself in a position where you could end up like losing your license or being fined or whatever. So the the, the elements of both sides of the, the fence here where I can understand sort of like Tyson Fury's uh, anger towards it because he... 
he felt like he was having his decision-making process picked at, and I think that's why he got pissed off. But essentially, we all wanted to, to know why you picked this fight, because for us, it's not a logical fight for him to have at this stage when he's potentially going to be retiring in the next 18 months. It does just feel like a payday, and he pretty much, in no uncertain terms, said that. I enjoy. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it because of the line of questioning. I think it was refreshing to hear somebody just ask the questions that people want the answers to, and it was also refreshing to kind of see Tyson try and defend it and, and defend it in his mind and his logic and try and understand and comprehend why he thinks this is a logical fight to have. Whilst I don't personally agree with some of his answers on it, in my opinion as a fan, I certainly certainly respect the fact that he's got his own opinion and his own sort of decision-making process as to why this fight is actually happening. So that that for me, that's that. I, I, I can't really argue both ways. I like the line of question. Tyson tries to defend it. It's funny because he gets rattled by it. I think that's the biggest thing <laughs> is like when he does kind of get rattled by it at the end, it's like... You know, that's not really, you know, Tyson Fury, is it? You don't expect to see him get as rattled as that by a question. I think he was just more... I think he felt like that true Geordie guy was basically shitting all over Derek. I think that's what he felt. That's the impression I got is you're shitting all over this guy. He's a professional boxer. He's a big servant to the sport. I agree with Tyson that he is. But does he deserve a shot at the WBC heavyweight title? No, exactly. Exactly. So no. that that's it, isn't it? That that's the thing. He's helping he his mate out. Exactly. He's helping his mate out, isn't he? He's, he's, just just say it. Just say, do you know what? Um, look down the line. Um, you know, Michael Hunter. P- people said, you know, some people just saying, "Ah, hey, Michael Hunter. What, what's he going to do?" He, I think he'd do a better job than uh, than Derek, to be fair. Um, and then you've got, I mean, people said Hergovic. People said, um, we said Martin Bacoli, even uh, Daniel Dubois, and people were like, "Yeah, he's on the undercard." Yeah, but. He's on the undercard. That could have been a fight that could have been made. There's a few names in there. I mean, even the German fellow, is it Kabul, whatever his name is. But there are fighters out there. His argument was they ain't going to sell tickets. So that is the argument, isn't it? He's basically looking at it. They've got a, an, an arena to sell out or try to sell out. Tyson already gets 50,000, 60,000 people on his own. If we can get Derek Chisora, he brings about 20,000. 15 to 20,000, there's you. There's a huge crowd that's going to go and watch this fight because they like Tyson Fury and they like Derek Chisora. But do not think for one minute that after about eight rounds, like they did in the rematch, people will start leaving the arena because that's generally what's going to happen unless Tyson Fury knocks him out. Um, and then the other aspect to that is it, how dangerous is that? Because Derek does take a lot of blows and whether he should be... That's Derek's decision. We've said this before. Derek has to make that choice himself. Derek will always get a license if he's well enough to fight. He has to take that into... So, so the question of, like, is, is it safe? It's what sort of went on them lines. Oh, you know, Derek is a man, he's capable of himself, he's making his own decisions, whether he will have problems in 10 years' time, we will probably see that there will be some issues with Derek Chisora because of the amount of wax he's taken to the head. That You know, you look at the history of the sport, that tends to be how it is. That's way past that. It's like people talking about headering footballs now. I've headed so many footballs in my lifetime that it's too late for me now if I'm going to have any damage in the future. Um, so yeah, look, I think the fact is, is that the health issue is aside, He's just not, he is not the guy that should be fighting Tyson Fury for a world title. And it's insane to think that he's got it. I mean, just by selling tickets. Again, you almost you almost compare it to the YouTube thing. He's not good enough, really. He's not good enough. He's not going to win the world title, but he still gets the money. And let's just face it. He's not better than Usyk. Don't try and 
bullshit us. He is just there to make some money, and you're going to give him that money. You said before you want to give Del Boy a paycheck. You, you're giving him it. Just say I'm giving him a paycheck. People still go and watch your fight. You know, it's genuinely the case. People will know what it is, and they will still buy tickets to go and watch it. I think you'd have more respect if he just come out and said it as bluntly as that. Yeah. I think if he just said, look, I'm giving my mate a payday. He completely deserves his payday. Uh, and kind of some of the stuff he was saying in this interview at the end of it, if he just come out and said it outright, rather than them trying to promote this fight like it's a dangerous fight for Tyson Fury, like, you know, this could potentially upset the whole undisputed route and this, that and the other. Let's be honest, these two guys are friends outside of the ring. They'll go in there, they'll make it competitive for a certain amount of time. It may even go 12 rounds, but ultimately we know deep down it's written all over it like these two guys are going in there and they want to make a load of money. Chisora in particular wants to go out with all that money behind him. Fair enough, that's fair, fair play to him for getting the opportunity, for putting himself into a position by by doing what he did against Pulev in his last fight. And no one else seems to want to fight Fury at this moment, whether it be on Fury's side that there's problems with negotiations, whether it be Joshua's side with negotiations, whatever the bullshit reason is behind why that fight didn't happen in December and why we're getting this one, it just remains to be seen. We, we're never truly going to know it. So in the interim, I would... Let, let's put it in a different way, right? What would you rather have seen? Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora, or Tyson Fury versus Mamu Cha? Chisora. Exactly. So that that probably kind of quells a little bit of our argument yeah. against why this fight should be happening. Ultimately, we want to see a better opponent, but Chisora is the best of a bad bunch. It's as simple as that for me. Like I'm not calling him a bad fighter. He's not a bad fighter. He's past his best now. Simple as that for me. He's there. He's got. He can make fights competitive, but he's past his best. So he is the best of a bad bunch of fighters that were available to fight at this time. If he would have fought Char instead, if that would have been announced, oh my God, there would have been an absolute bigger uproar than what people are saying about this now. Yes, we're a little bit pissed off he's not fighting Joshua. Yes, we're pissed off he's not fighting someone else who's a, a genuine top 10 contender. But... It could have been worse. It could have been fighting Char, and I think that's what we've kind of got to try and pull ourselves back a little bit with. And I'm not, yeah. de de I'm not defending the decision-making process of this fight happening and the fact that he's getting a title shot. I'm just sort of trying to say, look, if we want to try and rationalise it a little bit better, that'll be a better way to rationalise it. Is that if they couldn't get anybody else, who would you have rather seen, Char or Chisora? I know I would have rather seen Chisora. Simple as that. So I think that and kind I agree of with put, puts an I end agree. to it, doesn't I mean, it? I mean, the other one is, uh, the fact is, uh, I, do, I do feel that Daniel could have been a potential, I think if anyone, you know, Daniel could have got a shot. I mean, that would be the one I would say. And I know he's on the undercard in probably a better fight than this. But, and I think, you know, you look at the other one, you look at Hunter, you look at even Frank Sanchez, you look at Otto Volin, you know, those guys, are they going to sell as much tickets? I mean, there's there's nothing wrong in saying, no, do you know what? Those guys probably do, just admit it, those guys probably do have a better chance. Uh, they probably deserve it more than Derek Chisora. But Derek Chisora has been a good servant to the game. I'm going to give him an opportunity. He deserves it. And if he beats me, fantastic. You know, not, not fantasy for me, but, you know, he deserves it. Um, just be open with it and just say that. And I think... People will get off your back a little bit. Just openly say he's the guy. He sells more tickets than those guys would, um, and uh, he deserves an opportunity. 
Simple yeah. as that. That's yeah, it. yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that's it. We've got nothing else to discuss yeah. for this episode. It's been a pleasure, as always, talking about all the fights and obviously the stuff going on within the sport. Just sorry, one more thing. I just got a station, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. But there was a fight pan. Um, people may have known there was a great card actually. You had Ken Shiro against Kayaguchi. Uh, that happened this afternoon. It's now finished. Ken Shiro did uh, defeat uh, Kayaguchi, by the way, for those that may not know. I'm by seventh round stoppage as well. I haven't seen the fight. I haven't had a chance to been working. Um, so I'm going to catch up on those fights. You had uh, uh, Yoshino and Nakatina, uh, Nakatani, sorry, who uh, also fight. And Yoshino won. Gonzalez beat uh, Iwata. And the other, uh, Yanto Nakatani, he beat Francisco Rodriguez uh uh, junior so just to just let you know because that is a great card by the way and if, if anyone hasn't um seen any of those fights uh they've all finished now uh but yeah try and try and catch up on them because uh, there's a good card in japan well they've just happened as we've been recording so that's why i've not exactly. mentioned them <laughs> so yeah for everybody yeah, listening yeah. there you go johnson's giving you the results there whichever point you listen to this episode <laughs> on he's actually covered that off for us as well so yeah cheers for that it's a great little addition at the end uh, but that's it that is definitely it for this episode we'll be back with another episode also this week the dimitri bivol versus gilberto ramirez preview a big thank you to everybody for supporting us as always thanks for listening to the episode please make sure you subscribe to us on apple on google on Spotify, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at BTR Boxing Pod. And finally, a big shout out to the patrons of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for your support. Much love to you guys, and much love to everybody that supports our network. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.